Hey, it's Lily Jamali. Marketplace Tech has a new limited series out on YouTube called Decoding Democracy. With rapid advancements in new technology like AI, disinformation efforts are more convincing and more misleading than ever. So we'll be discussing how to spot things like deep fakes, how to protect yourself from disinformation, and how to talk to your friends and family about it. As always, this fact-based journalism and vital information will be free and accessible to all. As a public service newsroom, donations from you help us take on ambitious reporting projects like this one. Every single gift makes a difference. Go to marketplace.org slash give tech. To celebrate Marketplace's 35th anniversary, we made some throwback thank you gifts you can get when you donate during this March fundraiser. We took our old dot-com era logo and put it on a sticker, a glass mug, a tote bag, and a t-shirt. No matter how you donate, you can get a fun piece of Marketplace history. Check them out at marketplace.org slash give tech. These limited edition gifts are only available through March 22nd. Get yours at marketplace.org slash give tech. Teach high school students about crypto? Sure, but first, teachers. From American Public Media, this is Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Jamali. The year was 2021, the thick of cryptomania. Hey, hotties, let's talk about Bitcoin. It's the new digital currency that's been getting a lot of hype. Ads like that one from Megan Thee Stallion got a lot of attention from her young fans. She was right about the hype, less right, though, about Bitcoin being new. Even back when that ad got made, Bitcoin, the first successful decentralized cryptocurrency, had been around for well over a decade. Next year marks 15 years since its launch. A drop in the bucket in historical terms, but literally a lifetime for teens. And Yanelli Espinal says they have so many questions. She's the host of the podcast Financially Inclined and says teachers are trying to figure out how to handle crypto curious students. What we're seeing is that teachers are surfacing saying we we need cryptocurrency resources. Our students want to, you know, learn about this. They have a lot of questions about it. Um, And in the state of Georgia, for the first time ever, there's actually some standards, learning standards that the teachers have to align instruction to. It actually includes the cryptocurrency and historical examples of buying uh, speculative investments. And so that now that teachers are seeing that they have to explain how this works to students, they're kind of looking for resources to help them wrap their minds around it first. And you're hearing from teachers, but you're also talking to students yourself. You just finished a nationwide tour where you spoke with kids from 37 high schools across the country. What are some of the questions that you're hearing from students about crypto? Oh, yeah. So I get a lot of questions about crypto from students and investing in general. I think one of the big things that students just want to know is, you know, where can I put my money to grow it? They they recognize that, you know, inflation is high. They're seeing the headlines and the news and social media and they're seeing celebrities go off on social media complaining about inflation, too. So I think mm-hmm. they're very aware. Do you ever just tell them not crypto? That is not the place to grow. Your well, money. I think it's I think we have to avoid two things. One is we have to avoid 
like evangelizing around any particular financial topic or strategy, but we also have to avoid the opposite of that, which is trying to actively dissuade uh, students from pursuing any kind of financial behaviors or activity. So I think what we need to do is actually as educators, our job is to educate them, empower them and inform them and then say to them, hey, so what do you think? Now that you've learned everything that we covered in this course, now that you've studied it and explored it and analyzed it, what do you think? Do you think it's a safe investment for you and a good place for you to put your money and your family's money? Yeah. I mean, th- I'm thinking about this, uh, the reporting on crypto over the last year or two and how many people lost so much money investing. And we know there's been some, you know, predatory behavior too, where, you know, people from marginalized backgrounds are being specifically targeted for these kinds of investments. That's right. And I think that's the problem with it is that right now, what we know about crypto, we often have heard from the media, from what's happening online, and not really from an educational source. Like, there, it's very hard to find somebody who's not invested in crypto or actively against the idea of crypto, who's just a neutral, you know, educator, who's just like, listen, I got no skin in the game. I just want you to understand what this is and how it functions so you can decide, are you ready to invest in crypto or is it best for you to stay away? Because it's okay. You don't need to invest in crypto. You don't need to participate. But what you do need to do is make informed choices with money. So you got to understand crypto you have to know how does it work? Why was it developed? Why are some people for it? Why are some people against it? And then where do I stand? We'll be right back with more on crypto education with Yanelli Espinal, host of Financially Inclined. You're listening to Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Jamali. We're back with Yanelli Espinal, host of Financially Inclined. Do you think young people like high schoolers have a different approach to crypto than maybe someone who's older and has, you know, made more investments uh, over their lifetime within the traditional U.S. financial system? Oh, yeah, 100 percent. I mean, I I met students who were telling me, you know, I already have crypto. I put I put 50 bucks. I put 100 bucks in. Um, I met a student who said that they put in almost a thousand dollars because the thing is that they saw so many celebrities talking about this, you know, and they saw like the hype around it and Mm -hmm. that. That hype machine, it creates FOMO, right? The fear of missing out is such a strong psychological influence. And they wanted to be part of that, um, especially when they see people they they admire. And that's what worries me, though, is that this is there is so much hype. And there are a lot of questions about whether those celebrities, whether we're talking about Larry David or Tom Brady, uh, people that these kids admire should have been sending that message about crypto you know, because they were getting compensated to do that. Exactly. So that's where, like, for us, it's coming in to say to students, like, okay, we'll analyze what's going on. Who's the source of the information, right? They're like, oh, well, you know, I saw Megan the Stallion teaching me about Bitcoin on a Cash App commercial. <laughs> let's I'm back like, up. Okay, okay, so pause right there. So, so let's back up, right? It's yeah. a commercial for Cash App, right? Like, so if we can start to teach them to think this way, because this generation, I, I got to tell you, from the students that I've worked with in high school specifically, they are part of a generation that does not see the lack of privacy online and the constant barrage of advertising and marketing tactics being used against us online, they don't see that as an invasion of privacy. They don't see it as something that's manipulative or negative. They just see it as normal because ever since they were, you know, they can remember getting on an iPad for the first time or or playing on mom's phone for the first time. 
this has always been the normal internet that they've experienced and known. So it's for us as adults, we're like, you're, you know, you're being manipulated by what you're seeing online and you're taking it as fact instead of recognizing that it's an, an advertising campaign. And instead, what we need to be doing is teaching them how to recognize and decipher between information that's presented factually and uh, and from an unbiased source versus information that's clearly promotional material. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's some financial literacy here, but also some media literacy, it sounds like, as part of what you're going out and talking about with with kids, but also with teachers. What has your experience been like teaching teachers about crypto and giving them tools for teaching about it? It's so much fun because w- w- the very first lesson that I teach, so I actually have a certification course for, it's nine hours of instruction and a, and the 10th hour is an exam that the teachers have to take to show that they, you know, have actually mastered the content in this cryptocurrency basics course. And the very first session of this course, the first lesson for the first hour is just understanding the history of money. And the teachers, they just get so shocked. They're like, wait, what? Are we not going to talk about Bitcoin and the blockchain? I'm like, no, 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 no. Before we even get into any of that, we all have to agree on a common definition for money. What is money? Because most people think, oh, money is dollars and coins or credit cards or this. They think of the payment types that they've experienced rather than thinking of the concept of money, which is really anything that generally can be accepted as a form of payment for goods or services or to repay debt or to pay your taxes. You know, so once we start talking about these things, we go through a historical lens and I share with them, you know, Aristotle, who developed these six principles for what's considered good money or sound money. Whatever you use as money, it's got to be scarce. It's got to be durable, recognizable, divisible. It's got to be portable. So you you know move around from country to country or whatever. And it's got to be fungible. So when teachers start learning this stuff, they go, wait, what? Aristotle was talking about what makes something a good form of money back in like 350 BC. I'm like, yes. So when we when we start thinking about money through this historical lens, we can understand why cryptocurrency might be criticized for not being a good form of money, right? Or why it might be perceived to be a potentially good alternative to traditional forms of money because we're looking at it through the lens of Aristotle's principles of sound money. I can tell you, I never learned this stuff in in elementary school, in middle school, high school. I'm so glad that that education is getting to people now. Um, And on that point, 25 states now require students to take a personal finance course before they can graduate from high school. Is cryptocurrency a part of that curriculum? You know, I got to say it really varies from state to state because each state, uh, the the legislation doesn't necessarily tell you specifically uh, what you have to teach. Most states will choose to create their own personal financial literacy standards of instruction, and then the teachers will have to align their lessons and their objectives to those standards. So I think right now it's very much in the exploratory phase, like just expose students to these concepts. And obviously because they themselves are going to be curious, it's, it's interesting when you have a class about money and then students come into that class thinking that we're going to be talking about, you know, what they perceive money to be. If they think cryptocurrency is money and then you don't even mention it in the classroom, then they feel that your instruction is irrelevant. They're like, miss, you're not even going to talk to us about crypto. Like, how is this class about money? You know, so I think it's very important for educators to stay up to date with the instruction that they're teaching their students so that the students can actually see that this is relevant to their real lives. That was Yaneli Espinal, host of Financially Inclined. Rosie Hughes produced this episode. I'm Lily Jamali, and that's Marketplace Tech. This is APM. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. 
from experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I was spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.